Are you struggling with tape together solutions for your professional service clients like architects, engineers, consultants, or lawyers? BQE Core is an all-in-one app for project management. Stay tuned to learn more from our sponsor, BQE Core, later in this episode. But mindset is huge. And I think that some of these challenges are challenges that, as you mentioned, firms of every size see, right? Standardization and process matters. Leadership that believes in your product matters and making sure that it's in a segment of the organization that makes sense for it to thrive absolutely matters. Today is February 13th, 2021. This is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. And we're joined today by Rachel Fish. Rachel, welcome back to the show. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you inviting me back. And we've got a story in particular, a Canadian Big Four story that we're really excited to talk to you about. This is something that you spotted and we completely missed. And uh, we were lucky that you were chatting with us online and, 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 and brought us the story. So we could jump into that. I've got a story about uh, Big Four in the US, Ernst & Young and their Super Bowl commercial. I don't know if you guys watch the Super Bowl or if this commercial aired when you were watching? I don't remember seeing this commercial. We don't get US Super Bowl commercials up here. Oh, yes, actually. yes. Well, that, that, I guess that was more for David because he's the football fan. Uh, but player. I see that commercial. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes. So, so it aired in 10 cities that have the highest concentration of EY clients and people. So, so they did like a targeted Super Bowl ad, but uh, it's still impressive because it's the first Super Bowl ad that I know of that a big four firm has done. Uh, we could we could play that to start. I don't know what, what what's on your mind, David. What do you got? Uh, I have a couple small app news. More information. You know that whole un- people filing unemployment with fake IDs. I have some information on that. All the massive multi-billion dollar unemployment fraud? Massive. Like, like it's it's going to be like people cannot are not going to be able to file their taxes because they're going to get a 1099G. That's completely incorrect. So, I have some stories on that. Uh, I have a 5G story. I know you love how 5G is going to revolutionize the accounting industry. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. We need that extra bandwidth so that we can uh, reconcile bank feeds for sure. And then Credit Karma and TurboTax and it's already merging the two together. And I, I learned something um, in that story. So, I'll bring that up. Well, uh, l- let's jump into this this story about the big four up in Canada. And I think it's, is it Deloitte, Rachel? It is Deloitte. Um, it looks like about a thousand staff and 25 of Deloitte's locations are now under ownership of MNP, uh, effective March 1st. So MNP in Canada, it's basically, I think it actually just last year unseated EY as the big four in Canada. So it's huge, uh, 5,500 or 6,000 employees, over 80 locations already. And so now they're adding to that, you know, these 25 locations and a thousand staff. What was really interesting in the press release is it was very vague. <laughs> yeah. So when- I'm, first of all, I'm looking at this going, how often does that happen when a big four basically divests like numerous locations and staff to what's in Canada, like another big four? Like that seemed really odd to me anyway. It, yeah. I I, uh, I thought this was a mistake, right? That they I- reversed the... <laughs> the titles of the firms or something, because that's the opposite of how it usually goes, right? Right. Because also, you know, Deloitte is this huge international giant. MNP is actually only in Canada, although they are a member of Praxity, the global alliance. So I was like, what? <laughs> so 
reading it a little more, I was like, no, this is actually correct. Where it was like, you know, MNP, the Canada only shop just took over, you know, this many locations and staff from Deloitte, which is almost like, you know, David going after Goliath a little bit. So I always love those stories. Anyway, I think what's a little unique about this for me personally is that, you know, as you guys know, I I spent some time at Deloitte, specifically in the cloud accounting space. And then actually through my employment with both Sage, and actually I had a contract at WagePoint helping them out with some strategic stuff. I worked with the MMP teams really well. Now, again, something kind of funny about MMP, it actually started in a tiny little town called Brandon, Manitoba, a town that I lived in for about 14 years. So I actually didn't realize how big MNP was until we moved out of (laughs) Brandon. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there are these firms everywhere. They had since transferred their head office from Brandon, Manitoba to Calgary, Alberta, which makes a little bit more sense from a Canada-wide perspective. And then, yeah, they've been going after this cloud accounting, uh, you know, very similar to what, you know, so many other firms are doing, large firms. But I think one thing that I've really appreciated about the MAP, because again, I knew so many of the leadership personally from my time in Brandon, is that they really approached it from a much more strategic and standardized methodology than I think any of the other large firms that I had experience with, that they really did that. And so, I mean, you and I all know that you really can't scale unless you've got standardization, right? Your process can't be, it depends on whatever, whoever the client is, right? You really need to nail that piece first. And what I seem to be finding is that so many of these other large firms, they wanted to adopt the cloud accounting technology and then go, oh crap, (laughs) this isn't scalable. Um, And in some cases they figured out why and started to standardize. And in other cases, they never figured out why and just kind of kept throwing bad money after good money after bad. So it's been really interesting to see the landscape. I mean, I even pulled up a podcast that you guys had done a couple of years ago, actually, when Deloitte had acquired Bob Wang's firm, uh, Legacy Advantage. And this kind of goes to Deloitte's growth strategy, especially in the cloud accounting space. They were really kind of going after any bookkeeper in Canada that had a strong social media presence or was kind of seen as that thought leader, especially if you were connected to Intuit in any way, you know, they were really aggressive to that. Um, again, I think MNP just from the beginning has been way more strategic in the way that they were growing, but it also feels like they're a bit of a gentle giant in that I don't think many people actually know how big their team is and how successful they are being. Everybody has their hiccups, sure. You know, everybody has bad things to say about their employer. But again, from my experience working with them, you know, professionally with a couple of projects through vendors, um, they were kind of the most strategic about it. So to me, it's really interesting. Now, even in the press release, it doesn't specifically say anything about the cloud accounting piece of the business, but it's been confirmed to me personally that these thousand staff and the location specifically were kind of key strategic areas for Deloitte to be building the cloud accounting space. So it really infers, because even when they listed some of those the locations, you know, from my time at Deloitte, I was like, mm, that's where we had a hub. <laughs> so um, yeah, it, it was kind of funny the way that they sidestepped that. Um, but I think overall, what it means is that Deloitte is just kind of giving up on the cloud accounting space in Canada. So could I summarize what I'm hearing then? Yeah. So Deloitte went and adopted all these little cloud accounting babies all over across Canada with a big plan to roll them into this behemoth cloud accounting offering 
Yeah. And a couple of years later, they realized maybe we can't be the parent we wanted to be. And they're like, we're going to give you to a different parent. And they worked out a deal. So it's, so in theory, it's hopefully it's a win-win, right? Deloitte yeah. has now got this off their plate. These firms that maybe got rolled up and weren't getting the attention and the resources they need now will be part of MNP and, and MNP is going to nurture them properly. Is that kind of the gist? Yeah. Now, another really interesting thing about their both of their acquisition strategies is that Deloitte kind of seemed to be doing like the spray and pray thing. Like I was getting contacted quite regularly by bookkeepers who had been contacted by Deloitte to say, hey, I got a Deloitte call. You know, they're interested in buying my firm. I know you work there. What's the deal? Um, and I think that some of the pitches that some of those bookkeepers got were maybe not representative of what, you know, they were actually trying to achieve within the firm. Um, but then again, on the MNP side, they've been so strategic and really targeting that, uh, that those that they did acquire, um, are actually in many cases are still with MNP. So, um, Deloitte pitched a lot. I don't know how successful they actually were besides, you know, bringing me on board and then Bob Wang's firm and, you know, a couple of smaller ones, but, um, you know, they, they had a pretty low buy-in rate (laughs) from their acquisition pitches. And, and Rachel, you reminded us of an episode that we did way back episode 49, where we talked about KPMG kind of doing the same thing in the UK. Um, yeah. So again, you know, big firm trying to make this work doesn't work, shutters it. And I think in that case, KPMG was actually at it for a much smaller amount of time. I think it was only like 18 months or two years. Like it in, in a big firm world, that's like nothing. (laughs) So Deloitte in Canada has been at this, I think, you know, probably at least eight years, uh, because they had had a brand before I came on board and then they rebranded since I left. So, um, you know, the first model was actually after Deloitte Australia's, uh, Deloitte private connect model, which was, you know, again, based on the cloud accounting piece. I think one of the things that really didn't help was that they didn't have a consistent ownership of the project. So, leaders uh, regularly left. It was like the the fate of the team or the uh, the group really depended on whoever was in a leadership role and whether they believed in cloud accounting for small business or not, and whether they believed that it was going to be, um, that, that there was an opportunity for Deloitte to, you know, to grow with that as, as a lead product. But I also think that, you know, when it comes to big firms, how you not only how you organize the team and who you put in in leader of it, that they actually believe in the product that you're trying to build, uh, which is helpful. Um, You know, you've been on the product side. Well, all three of us actually have been in the software product side. (laughs) Imagine having a boss that doesn't believe in the product that you're the product manager for. That's essentially like the the uh, the gist of it. And it's the classic problem in firms of all sizes where you want to start a cast practice, you want to start an outsourced accounting practice, but there's no sponsor who is yeah. just owns that line of business. It doesn't have its own P&L. It doesn't have its own team. It's using borrowed resources. That always fails, Yeah. right? If it doesn't have total buy-in from the top, it's never going to work. Yeah. So MMP did things a little differently. First of all, their leadership has been really strong and consistent since... Um, they really started with this project, which is fantastic. But what they also did was their, it's called ease, um, is what they ended up calling it. Cause you know, every cloud accounting needs a cool little 
mini brand. Of course. Um, so they, um, but they put it under the technology solutions part of the firm, which totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. So what happened with Deloitte was that we were kind of stuck in ANA audit and ins- audit and assurance because it's like, well, when we need to do taxes or when we need to do these things, we need the bookkeeping done. The challenge was that the mindset of those types of clients are completely different from the mindset yep. of who makes a great cloud accounting client. So, I mean, Deloitte has Deloitte Digital and all of these like really great and innovative um, teams and areas of the company. And for me, it was a much better fit for the types of staff that you want and the types of client that you want to actually make, you know, a digital bookkeeping practice an extension of those digital services. And, and it just, it wasn't seen that way. So uh, but mindset is huge. And I think that some of these challenges are challenges that, as you mentioned, firms of every size see, right? Standardization and process matters. Leadership that believes in your product matters and making sure that it's in a segment of the organization that makes sense for it to thrive absolutely matters. Well, thank you for bringing us this story, Rachel. It's fascinating. Uh, do you want to hang out and, and talk about the what the rest of what we're going to do on the show? Sure. Awesome. Great to have you. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by bookkeep.com. Do you have clients tracking sales and payments in Shopify, Square, Shopkeep, Grubhub, or Upserve? If you do, you now have to monthly struggle to import the sales into QuickBooks or Zero using CSV import files. Maybe you've even tried one of those apps that syncs every transaction to the accounting system only later to discover that you can't reconcile the thousands of transactions it imported against the deposit that was made to the bank account. Seriously, do you need these thousands of burgers and fries orders entered in the accounting system? And don't forget about tracking all those fees correctly. Bookkeep will summarize all these transactions, including the fees, into one nice daily journal entry, posting it to QuickBooks or Zero so it will perfectly match the deposited amount, making all your reconciliations a breeze, your reporting accurate, and best of all, it'll help keep your client's accounting system clean and efficient. Jason Richardson created the widely used Shopkeep point of sale from the back of his retail wine shops. Years later, after witnessing the explosion of apps with poor accounting integrations, the entrepreneur turned developer teamed up with his former CFO and CPA, Ruth Koo, to create bookkeep.com. Listeners can get one free month of bookkeep.com by using promo code C-L-O-U-D, cloud. Head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash bookkeep. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash B-O-O-K-E-E-P. Uh, so you brought up Big Four, and we I've got a story about EY here in the U.S. EY spent probably a lot of money on a Super Bowl commercial, and I thought it would be fun to take a listen because not everybody saw it. It was only in 10 cities. So they did a – I didn't know you could do this. You can buy like a, a local ad during the Super Bowl. It's 30-second spot. Uh, you're not going to see it, obviously, but – I, it's really like more of a, a image montage and a narrative over it. So you're not going to miss too much. Here we go. Whoever said don't question things, we say question everything. Questions seek answers like an artist seeks a muse, like a poetic voice seeks to open hearts. Questions don't wait for progress. They break through barriers to reframe the future toward equity and unity. Some will try to silence your questions. Ask them anyway, because the better the question, the better the answer, the better the world works. 
Wow, quite dramatic, isn't that? The better the question, the better the answer, the better the world works. And I wonder if EY appreciates the questions it's getting from its employees about the wisdom of running a Super Bowl commercial after foregoing performance-based raises last year and also laying off a bunch of people. That is the sentiment, it seems, on the Reddit accounting uh, thread. People are saying, like, what's the point of a big four firm even having a Super Bowl commercial? I guess I, I want to give them credit for trying something new. But also, like, d- if you didn't know what EY is, like, did that help you get an idea of what they do? I, like, I, I don't really understand what the point was of that. Yeah, no. I, the only thing that I can think of, and Dave, you probably have more insights into this as well, is all those Intuit and TurboTax commercials. And is EY really threatened by all those Intuit and TurboTax commercials that they're like, oh, we need to be there too, you know, in the Super Bowl. And of course, Expensify had that big one a, a while back as well. Well, it seems like, I mean, usually the big four is always advertising like during golf tournaments on TV. Right, like the the, the their right. target market is like executives, and sure, there's executives watching the Super Bowl. But in general, if you really think about most of the ads on the Super Bowl, it's very consumer broad based ads. Right, it's not so neat. I mean, this I mean, in a way, this like this is super niche. Like, not only did they only target certain markets, they targeted they're they're reaching a bunch of people that don't care who EUI is. The va- the only problem people are pro- possibly the only way they're ever exposed to EY is when they're watching Miss America or something in the little briefcase or the Academy Awards, right? It's the Academy Awards, right? Are they the ones who screwed that up? I can't. It's remember. one of the big four. They always, they, you know, they get their little briefcase <laughs> with their logo on it and the handcuffs. And then, other than that, yeah, yeah. these companies don't exist, right? Well, I I think the messaging is funny too because if you're hiring EY as your auditor, do you really want them questioning everything? You probably don't, right? Like, so. Uh, I just thought that was amusing. Um, what else? What else is new, David? I, I, I got I got Deloitte in another article. Okay, let's we keep can, on this theme. Let's, let's go. If we're doing the big four here, so yeah, yeah. Verizon, and, and you'll love this, Blake, because like I know how much you love five G. I mean, so Verizon. You know, there's nothing that accounting needs more than more bandwidth, right? Like everything that we do, it's so high in bandwidth requirements. So Verizon, Deloitte unveil seismic five G powered retail productivity and efficiency platform. Retail productivity and efficiency platform. Okay. I'm, tell me more. Yes. So, so Verizon and Deloitte are promising to transform retail operations and restocking inefficiencies via a new 5G-powered platform that accelerates sales and improves the customer experience. I, I, <laughs> I have, how does this have anything so to do with So I just want to say, like, I think Amazon's been doing this for a decade very, very well yeah. without 5G, right? Um, right. Yeah. I mean, you're talking like inventory numbers, right? Like, I, yeah, they, they uh, think this, this is, is going or Shopify. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't understand the. So it's going to enable yeah. frictionless retail experiences and improve asset productivity, and it should have a seismic impact on the retail industry. Um, it uses a combination of new, comma, data-rich, advanced technologies such as video camera and sensor-based analytics, artificial intelligence, and augmented reality. I mean, they've they've nailed. Oh, okay. They've nailed all the hot. This this might as well be a startup pitch, right? To go get VC investors. They've well, hit it all. AI, for, uh, augmented reality. They've hit uh, data. They've hit 5G. I mean, they're catching it all. I, I feel like augmented reality is the one place where 5G might make a difference, right? Because you got so much data going back and forth with the video feed in order to do augmented reality. I mean, that will happen eventually. You'll have auditors walking around warehouses wearing like cool glasses that show them what's in every box yeah. as they I mean, walk I think around. Amazon has a lot of this stuff already. Uh, so, so they gave an example, right? 
As an example, a routine out-of-stock inventory situation would be an automated to send in store associates replenishment notification to refill shelves, while simultaneously alerting the stock room and distribution center of the inventory demand. Cool. So it's an... so, 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 so you as the shopper at Target, you pull the toilet paper off the shelf. It immediately alerts the back room to go put some toilet paper on a, on a cart and bring it back out to the shelf, which I think think i'm guessing the only thing they're bypassing is the steps between the shelf and the cashier when they sell the toilet paper it probably triggers somebody in the back room to bring it out like i don't i, I really don't know how 5g is going to uh, do this but accenture did a global survey of 2600 businesses last year and apparently 79 percent of the people who uh, responded said 5g would have a significant impact on their organization and 57 percent said it would be revolutionary but when it was tw- Back when 4G was being rolled out, only 24% reacted that way. Now, have you talked to anybody on a 5G phone yet? Uh, you, I don't even think you really can, right? Like, it's not really there. I, I talked to Hector Garcia, and it sounded like Sprint PCS. It was, oh. it, it was, it was, it was the worst phone call I've had with anybody in a decade. It, it's hor- it was horrible. Uh, he because because you know Hector Garcia wanted to adopt the new technology. He was sold on this 5G dream. Early adopter. But I think this whole 5G thing, you've, you've said, you've summarized it best. All cloud accountants and bookkeepers for the last five years have been doing cloud accounting with QuickBooks or Zero on airplane flights. Yeah. I mean, you can now. That's uh, The first time I did that, I was blown away. Um, I was on a cruise ship yeah. and I went walking past the, the shared computer lab and I saw somebody who had QuickBooks open as I walked by. So, or QuickBooks online open. You know what might actually have a bigger impact on the cloud accounting world? It's not 5G because 5G has a very small radius. Every tower can only go like, like it's a very small amount. So you have to have them all over the place. So they're only ever going to be in major metros. What's going to make a big difference is that Elon Musk project. Is it called Starlink where it's going to be like cheap satellite internet? Have you guys heard about this? That's why he's launching all these satellites into space. Yeah, these little boxes. Yeah. So it's supposed to actually, a friend of mine just signed up and posted that he signed up on Facebook. And I'm like, I don't understand. So (laughs) you signed up for Starlink, but he lives in a rural area and it's really hard to get great internet. And so, yeah, this is supposed to solve for that. And and that's been one of the big problems with getting people off a desktop in, Mm -hmm. in middle America, right? In uh, Canada, I know. Most of Canada. Most of Canada. It's like (laughs) vast spaces with few people. You're not going to build broadband Wired and that's the problem with 5G, way, right? Yeah. Because 5G, they have to like every so many yards, they have to have another tower, another tower, another tower, and which doesn't yeah. work in the Midwest. It's probably in, in the huge, vast areas of Canada. I'm sure it wouldn't work either, right? There's just too much land and 5G doesn't cover land. It's great for cities, but it's not going to help. It's not going to help the people that actually don't have high-speed internet yet. Yeah, it's not going to help the ones who need it, <laughs> right? Who need it the most. So there we go. We've we've settled it. You know, five G not oh five G overrated. Starlink underrated. We can tra- we can transfer this into an article awesome. about the ten ninety nine G. All right, let I, I want to see you do that. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. Okay, so if you if you get unemployment benefits, you will get a tax form called the ten ninety nine G because you need to pay taxes on your unemployment benefits. And we talked about how that's going to be a huge mess for a lot of people because they don't know that unemployment is taxable in the US. That, but not only that, they don't, people are getting these these forms, but like you might get one in the mail finding out that somebody took your identity and filed for unemployment. And you had something like this happen, right? How is that sorted out yet? I have a mess. It's not sorted. Of course, it's not sorted out. I have a complete mess. Uh, somebody filed with my name, unemployment against my own company. I have no clue. I need to... 
understand and figure this out. So you're so, going to be in that situation potentially. So I'm totally in this situation. Yeah. But oh, so other people that are in this situation, U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein, Ohio oh, Republican no. Governor Mike DeWine, his wife, um, and then uh, his wife Fran as well, and Republican Lieutenant Governor John Husted, all got 1099Gs because people filed for unemployment under their names and their socials. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a big mess for tax preparers. I mean, with... And uh, uh. in two weeks, Ohio has set up a hotline. They've already had 62,000 62, people call the file report that they got a, a false 1099G form. So, like, my question is, if the systems are so bad that people were able to commit all this fraud and, and get unemployment under other people's names, how are they ever going to untangle this and fix it? Like, they don't have the systems to do that either. So... I think... They're going to do what California is doing. So, California mailed out 8 million of these forms last month, more than 5X they've ever sent out in a normal year. And now they've added, they hired 300 agents just to deal with it on a call center. Oh, boy. But isn't there like name check against social security check against, you know, previous tax year income to make sure that they qualify and that they're who they say they are? I'm sorry, is this too much to ask? You would, <laughs> you would think this, Rachel. Yes, uh, I don't know exactly the details. Uh, I do know that California's unemployment system was built like thirty years ago and hasn't been modernized since. And I, they don't have the way. They don't have a way to quickly check identities. So they're really just trusting that the people who are f- filing, yeah. And and then you know the mission of the unemployment office is to get the checks out quickly because if you don't get the checks out to people, they can't pay their rent. They can't buy food, right? So. Yeah, it's all been at the expense of of preventing the fraud, and and in California, we talked how it could be tens of billions of dollars, uh, way bigger than the PPP fraud, actually. But then this, it's going to be unemployment. This ripples into stimulus, right? Because if you have had this fraud happen against you, now you can't file your taxes, which means now you can't get your stimulus payment. Yeah, because they can't they can't look at your 2020 returns to figure out. So this is just a ripple effect. And you may not get you, if you were to do a refund, right? You're not going to get that. So there's a big ripple effect from this fraud and it's affecting obviously everybody. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by BQE Core. I recently had two Zoom calls with accountants that use BQE Core for their professional service clients like architects, engineers, consultants, and lawyers. One accountant called it the missing link for professional services. Another said BQE Core is the only game in town for professional service firms. My biggest takeaway from the conversations was how you can use BQE Core as your standalone accounting system or pair it with either QuickBooks Online or Xero. Either way, you'll get to take advantage of all the features of BQE Core like smart timers, project management, budgeting, forecasting, and project accounting. Because BQE Core is an all-in-one app, it is easy to manage all your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. To learn more about BQE Core, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash core. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash C-O-R-E. Perfect your project management workflow with BQE Core. Well, let's talk about the PPP. We haven't talked about that in a while, and I've got an update for y'all. We are currently in the middle of Paycheck Protection Program Round 2. In December, Congress allocated another $284 billion in funding. Where are we with that? Well, the SBA has approved $104 billion in PPP funds so far for more than 1.3 million small businesses. 82% of the loans in this round are going to small businesses asking for less than 100,000. 
So that's good news. Like smaller loans are dominating. Uh, 28% of the businesses are located in rural communities. This is according to a story in accounting today, but it's slower than people would like because the PPP or the SBA rather learned from round one that they needed to make it harder to get a PPP loan to prevent fraud. So they did that. And now people are having problems with their ETRAN system, which is the electronic system for processing loans, because they're getting error codes when an EIN number doesn't match a social security number that was used in the initial application, like all these technical errors that they can't get resolved because also you can't call in and get help because there's not enough people working at the SBA. So AICPA has been complaining about this um, and SBA is like trying to figure out how to how to unstick the the loan process, but also, you know, the, the double challenge of unsticking it, making it easy to apply, but also prevent fraud, right? Like, it seems like you can't do both, or at least the government seems incapable of doing both, which is why they probably should just outsource this whole thing to a tech company, right? As, as we've said. Uh, maybe, well, maybe I was Deloitte. actually maybe just going to say, because know. wasn't there the big thing? I know we talked about Deloitte with the vaccines and that whole program and Deloitte is an accounting yeah. firm. They are not a technology building company. I just found out over this last week, since I listened to that last podcast episode, Canada has now decided to go to Deloitte for its uh, vaccination tracking system. So what could oh, no, possibly I'm so sorry, go Rachel. wrong? Yeah. And, and, and is Canada still like, isn't Deloitte still building or which of the big four is building Deloitte uh, Canada's payroll system? Oh gosh. So that's uh, one of the big four The starts with P. Uh, I remember you guys talking about that. Honestly, the news went away quietly and there hasn't been any updates. So I don't actually know where that, where things are with that right now. But yeah, I remember you guys talking about that last episode as well. Well, maybe, maybe no news is, is good good news news. when it comes to that. (laughs) The Phoenix pay system. The Phoenix pay system. Phoenix, that's what it yeah, was. Starting with that? P, kind of, yeah. It's funny how you know I found this Canadian payroll program fail. That's how I found it. <laughs> that's how I found this. Uh, let's see though. I, I'm pretty sure it was a big uh, four firm helping to build this or consulting on this. Well, while you look for that, David, um, there's a new IRS scam out there targeting tax preparers that everyone should be really alert about. There's a, a phishing scam happening where cyber criminals are sending emails that look like they come from the IRS and they're trying to steal preparers' electronic filing identification numbers, the EFINs. And the, the way they're doing it is they're sending an email that says that it's from IRS tax e-filing and bears the subject line, verifying your EFIN before e-filing. And then they ask you to send in your documentation to verify your EFIN and I assume they're going to then, you know, use that to file fake returns uh, using your number and then, you know, take the, uh, take the refunds out of that. So as, as with everything, when it comes to email, you know, anyone in the world can send you an email. So, so, you know, don't, don't trust it uh, if it looks like it comes from the IRS. Cause I don't, I don't think they send a lot of emails anyway. Right. Still. <laughs> I think I saw an article similar. Um, that the same thing is happening with the SBA. They're using all the SBA logos um, and sending out. And so I saw a warning about that as well. So basically, I, I think about this like as your firm and your clients and even this unemployment stuff and the unemployment fraud, they, even that, not just your small business clients, even your personal tax clients, like you can get ahead of this, right? And communicate them like, hey, there's massive unemployment fraud. 
if you get a 1099G, don't wait till April 15th to come into my office. Tell me about it. You need to email me right now so we can deal with this, right? So there's probably ways for uh, you to market to your clients in a very proactive way from the SBA loan fraud, from the unemployment fraud, just really educate your clients and surface the ones that are probably suffering this fraud and don't really know it yet. So shall we talk a little bit about app news? I don't have a ton, but I, I did see T-Sheets in the news. T-Sheets was in the news. Hold on one sec, guys. Somebody's at my door. Yeah, David, I don't think it was um, a big four. I think it was IBM. Oh, or w- were you thinking of something else? Maybe maybe it was. I It was definitely- Total investments to date, $1.2 billion. The prime contract, IBM, it was IBM. Okay. Yep. It's so bad that we- Sorry, everyone. We, we lumped stodgy <laughs> IBM in with the big four guys now. Yeah. It was IBM that was involved in Phoenix. All right. Uh, shall I kick that off again? So you said you have T-Sheets news beyond the T-Sheets news where they went away last week? Is there new news? Yeah. So T-Sheets has rebranded as QuickBooks Time, but the old brand appeared in an NPR story um, back. Oh, actually, you know what? This is from like May 13th. So <laughs> I don't know how this popped up on my uh, on my feed. So like it's it's outdated. Never mind. Do you guys have any app news? Well, even it was it was kind of heartwarming and a little sad because since the announce since the rebrand announcement. So first of all, totally agree. It seems a little like four years too late, or maybe three years too late. That seems like a long time to rebrand. Uh, but it was like there was a collective mourning period on Facebook for everyone, like you know, the end of an era. All of us, you know, t sheets pros back from the early days and all of that stuff. It. Uh, I mean, we knew that there was an end of an era as soon as Intuit bought it, but it, but to have the name go away, it's... Uh, well, it was such a good brand. You know, that's it, the sad it part. It was. It's like, so good. <laughs> Past tense. Yes, it was. <laughs> and then, you know, things took a turn. But I mean, again, same thing. You get swallowed up by a large company. You, you just can't keep the same level of, you know, customer service and, and personal interaction and relationship that you could before. So, Well, uh, moving on, Clear Eye... Dot AI. Have you guys heard of, heard of this one? I've never heard of this one before. ClearEye.ai and Microsoft are partnering on a paycheck protection program loan forgiveness platform. It is going to be driven by artificial intelligence from ClearEye, and it's powered by Microsoft Azure. Sounds like from this press release, the way it works is that it's a document automation and rules reconciliation solution. So this is built for the lenders, the banks who process the forgiveness applications. So they're going to be able to dump the documents that are now required to be gathered into the system. And it will then, you know, ensure that the borrowers meet the criteria. Yeah. I think ClearEye historically has been like with the banks and the lenders for, you know, home mortgages, things like that. You're, you send them your old tax forms, your W-2s, your pay stubs. I think they were always in that game helping lenders for n- non-business loans, like more consumer loans. Mm-hmm. And so they've kind of expanded out here. Hey, Rachel, did you say earlier that you worked at WageWorks? Uh, WagePoint. Yeah. Oh, WagePoint. I, I, I did a few months contract between Sage and Hyrock. Got it. Well- <laughs> I'm glad that it was WagePoint, not WageWorks, <laughs> because the former CFO of WageWorks and the current CEO, I'm not sure. No, they're both former. So I guess it didn't end well. They have settled charges that they misled company accountants and auditors 
rec- resulting in the improper recognition of 3.6 million in revenue from a client. So uh, this was with the SEC, their you know a public company. Um, they they failed to disclose that the client was balking at making payments for development and transition work under a contract to provide benefits servicing to certain public sector employees. Uh, and WageWorks, I'm you know I wasn't too familiar with what they do, but um, I guess they are. Um, it's like kind of niche stuff. They're managing HSA, FSA, HRA, COBRA, like employee lifestyle benefits. You know what I'm talking about? They, they like organize all that like uh, for you. Yeah, I don't have too much else in the in the world of app news. How about you, David? I got a couple articles. So Rippling, so we just talked about timesheets kind of last week going away. With Rippling, who does payroll, they introduced their new time product. So they have a new time and attendance solution. And one thing I think that's been interesting about Rippling and watching them grow is they're all about – when you hire the employee, everything gets set up for you. So, and this continues on in their time app. So, if you hire an employee and add them to Rippling, for that state, your minimum wage, your break policies, your overtime payrolls are all built into the product already. So, when you add that employee to your Rippling, this is just another thing that ripples through and gets set up automatically. So, it's it, Rippling's really focused on just going super deep and building functionality. Like, it's a little less about... Um, being, it's a little less salesy and a little bit more about build the functionality and go deep. Yeah. And one thing I really appreciate about Rippling anyway, is that instead of just attacking kind of that time and payroll piece of when you hire a new employee, they really take a look at what are all of the things that an employee needs when it starts. So mm-hmm. that's what I really appreciate about, about Rippling. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Bookstime. Save time by outsourcing your client's bookkeeping work to Bookstime. With Bookstime, you get your own dedicated team of experienced and responsive bookkeepers that have deep expertise in cloud apps like QuickBooks, Xero, Bill.com, and many more. They follow your processes and use your systems so you don't have to change a thing. And with CPA supervision, you won't need to review their work. You'll never have to recruit, train, or manage bookkeepers again, allowing you to focus on high-margin services, client relationships, and growth. Bookstime has a special offer only to listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Sign up before the end of the tax season 2021, and you'll get $500 off your first invoice. To get started with a risk-free trial and see why leading modern accounting firms around the country rely on and love Bookstime, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash bookstime. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash B-O-O-K-S-T-I-M-E. Uh, Zapier announced that they now hit 3,000 apps, but the interesting stat here is in 2020, they added 1,000 new apps. So, so how many total? To a total of 3,000. And so they, they added 1,000 of those in the last year. Wow. The fastest single year of company growth. I don't know about you, but like they're really the only game in town when it comes to small business automation, right? I don't even know of anything else that I would use. There's a lot of other ones, but I think it's starting to hit that tipping point now where if you use another one that only connects to 100 apps, you're just not going to use it. Like you want, the, you want the freedom and the options to connect to other ones. The other thing that was in this article is they're starting to, uh, with partners, having zaps appear in the products themselves. So if you could imagine, I'm just making this up. So imagine being in QuickBooks and you want to connect some other app or you have some workflow that QuickBooks doesn't do, Zapier would help you. That would be surfaced in the QuickBooks app. Maybe uh, maybe it's a, on an invoice and you need something extra happen on that invoice and approval process. I don't know. I'm making this all up. but you, So you're going to see Zapier probably be in the UI of other apps 
more often now. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. As, as a built-in product. Well, hey, you mentioned Zapier, and I actually have a story from their blog, which is excellent. Uh, they, they do these roundups of the best tools, like, the, you know, the best blah, 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 the best X. And this one caught my eye, just came out. The seven best online whiteboards in 2021. This is a category of software that is specifically trying to recreate that experience of being in an office and sitting in a conference room and brainstorming on a a whiteboard, but being able to do that remotely. And this has been a frustration of mine. Something that I really do miss from the office is the ability to just draw on a board and, you know, everybody can pick up a a dry erase marker and, and do that. And, and so there's a seven recommendations in here. I've never heard of any of these. I think they're a really good, <laughs> you know, check this out. I mean, maybe this is like a new category, right? That we'll all be using online whiteboard tools for brainstorming while we're on our Zooms. Um, there's Miro, Stormboard, Mural, Limnu, <laughs> Envision Freehand, Concept Board, uh, and Explain Everything. And do you think this long-term is going to be its own standalone category? Because I think Microsoft has this built into Office 365. It's only a matter of time until Google does it. Like, is this enough to be a standalone category in app? I I mean, like, I guess it just depends on how much Microsoft and Google put into it, right? Because they might make a basic product. But, you know, with something like this, where it's really like the feel of it that matters, um, you know, it's got to feel good, like doing this and collaborating on it. I think, I think people would be willing to pay for something like this. If it makes your meetings more productive, you could save a lot of money in terms of people's time. Yeah. But to me, it, it would make sense. For example, like, as you were saying, David, for like zoom, you know, again, find the best of breed zoom acquires one, you know, <laughs> Microsoft acquires one, Google acquires one, and you just kind of go from there or even like other meeting organization apps, right? Like I use fellow app, um, which is really great for keeping track of, of meeting notes, like meeting after meeting. And anyway, it's awesome. Um, but this would be a great extension of that as well. So I don't, I don't know. I'm with David on this one. I don't know if this is a, if this is a unique enough problem to have a single solution for it. Well, I guess it all depends on how the budgets shake out this year. I mean, more and more companies are spending on remote work tools because they're not in the office. And I think something like 30% of accounting firms intend to downsize their office space. So that's going to, you know, save them money, maybe spending a couple bucks, you know, or, you know, 20 bucks here and there on an, on an app like this is no big deal. Oh, for sure. I think Salesforce had another announcement just this week that they weren't ever going back to the office. So we've seen those kinds of articles several times. Yeah. And that's, that's what I had here. I'm looking at a story in the Wall Street Journal and the title is Another Remote Work Year Looms as Office Reopening Plans Are Delayed. I, I got some reop- uh, re- uh, remote work and virtual working articles too, but let me wrap up the last two uh, app stories and we'll come back app to stories. This. Yeah. All before right. we jump out of that. Yeah. Go for it. So uh, two other uh, apps uh, news. So there's a company called PayZen. So they just raised $5 million in seed financing. So not, not Zen Payroll. Pay no, Zen. not Zen Payroll. It's a Pay Zen. And Pay Zen, what they do is they, uh, we've seen, we've talked about some of these companies where you, you pay later, right? I want to buy this stereo mm-hmm. and I go to the website to check out and I, there's those companies like Afterpay and I can pay for that stereo over four chunks, right? Yes. For 12 months and then break out that payment plan. So the same thing with this, but this is for hospitals. Oh, God. So it's like taking the worst of everything here in this country and <laughs> but delayed payment plans, which we really shouldn't be buying things on payment plans anyway, right? <laughs> and, and then 
<laughs> and then our healthcare system. Sorry, go ahead, David. But 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 I kind of like the idea because I feel like I always get. I go to like the hospital website to pay the bill, but it's confusing. Like the whole bill's not there. You're waiting on the insurance to come through. And so you, you kind of pay some, or maybe you yourself, you're just like, I can't pay the whole thing. I'm going to pay some of it now and some of it next month, some of it next month. And they never apply the payments, right? Next thing you know, they say you owe for the whole bill still. Like the hospitals cannot manage this. So if I could use a third-party service that actually manages this, they pay the hospital the full amount and I get a nice organized company that can manage the four payments I made to, to stretch that bill, that hospital bill out. I'm for it. I think this is a an interesting platform to play here. It's a technological solution to a uh, so a problem of our own creation, right? And then the last story I have is Credit Karma, who QuickBooks acquired, or Intuit acquired, right? Credit Karma a few months back. They're finally doing their first post acquisition move. I did not know that Credit Karma had its own checking account. Did you know this? They were a bank already? Uh, mm-hmm. No, I hadn't heard about that. So, so so you could have a checking account with Credit Karma. And so just like Cash App and all these other players are encouraging people, hey, send your tax refund to, to our account. No fee. We'll cash your, your stimulus check. We'll cash your tax refund check. Straight in, if you put it right into your cash account, et cetera. Well, that is the play here. What they're going to do is now right inside of TurboTax, you can instantly create your Credit Karma money spend account and transfer and deposit your tax money straight to the Credit Karma bank account. So Intuit now has a consumer bank account and a small business bank account platform. Gotcha. On both sides. And obviously, they're going to eventually get tied together. It'll only be a matter of time till a, custo- a consumer can pay a QuickBooks small business and that money will just move from the one bank account to the other bank account. Well, shall I go to that remote work stat I wanted to share? Let's jump into remote work. So this is just real quick stat from the conference board, a survey of 2,200 U.S. workers found that 44% of employees polled didn't know their company's plans to return to the workplace, which is up from last September when 37% said they were unclear on the back to the office plan. So what does this mean? Basically that employers themselves really aren't sure what's going on. We're all kind of living in this limbo of maybe we'll go back to the office in the summer, maybe in the fall, maybe not at all. And this story in the Wall Street Journal caught my attention because Grant Thornton is featured, uh, one of the large accounting and consulting firms in the US. They expect their 8,500 workers to return to the office with flexible schedules in late summer or early fall. Along with Grant Thornton, most US employers, if they are setting a target date, are looking at Labor Day. That seems to be like the favorite day right now, which kind of makes sense because that's, you know, school is starting, Labor Day. Hopefully, the schools will be in session for everyone. Uh, We'll see. Uh, Rachel, are are the schools open where you are? Um, They actually just reopened. So we had been closed again uh, since before Christmas. And so the kids went back to school this week. Um, in our region. And um, they're just starting to, yeah, we came just came off about a two month, uh, really strict lockdown. And so things are starting to lighten up again. But we just found out this week that they are, ex- they're moving spring break from the middle of March to the middle of April. Gotcha. So and, and- I just think that honestly, until we until we see some medical numbers, and some of those st- stats go down, nobody can be predicting when things are going to open or when offices are going to be back in play, like mm-hmm. nobody knows, you just don't know. So, but I do think that it's important, especially if you have staff just to communicate and be open and, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Like if you don't know, communicate that just, to your staff, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> don't have them not know what you're thinking. Yeah. 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 Even if it's an, I don't know, that's, I mean, we're all kind of in the same boat right now, but yeah, I'm, I'm just not making any decisions to travel or anything like that until, until we know better. Our borders are still closed. Our four of our airlines are still uh, not flying to sunny locations and international flights are only coming into four airports. So we, we're still pretty locked down up here. And is it true if I do go to Canada, I have to stay uh, quarantine in a hotel? For two weeks. And I have to pay for it myself? That's right. And they make me pay $2,000. It's not really a fine, but like... A fee? Some additional fee. Um, they're really trying to discourage anybody from coming. For the extra monitor, right. So actually, <laughs> funny that you mentioned this. So this is actually the Australia and New Zealand model, and which made it so successful in Australia because it really deterred people from leaving, which is something that Canada hasn't done since you know, until recently. Um, our borders have been closed since last March, um, except for unnecessary travel. And yet, you know, we still see pictures of Canadians, you know, vacationing and traveling all over the place, which are clearly non-essential. So, um, so I think that something had to be done to deter that. However, it has kind of backfired because there are a lot of snowbirds here uh, that all escaped to Arizona and Florida and sunnier climates um, during the winter months. And now they will also have to quarantine uh, before they come back. So I think they were given plenty of notice to get in before the travel uh, restrictions, you know, we're locked down again, but instead they're choosing to create a class action suit against our federal government for unlawful <laughs> confinement upon their return to Canada. So yeah, fun stuff. That's what happens when you spend a lot of time in a state like Arizona or Florida, you start to <laughs> appreciate individual <laughs> rights and you know, you're like, Hey, they can't lock me up. I'm already starting to feel that way. Having moved from California. I'm like, I should go buy some guns. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Blake, I don't think that's the answer, Blake. Uh, so, but you uh, mentioned that a lot of companies just aren't communicating what they're doing or they haven't made a decision. Right. There is one company that has. Salesforce this week has come out and said they know what the future of the workforce looks like. Oh. All their employees are going to have the option to be fully remote. Mm hmm. And they can go with a hybrid model or they can be fully in the office. So, they're giving basically it's choice. Right now, they, uh, they think two-thirds of the Salesforce employees will choose to do hybrid. So basically, they'll come to the office one to three days a week, and they're calling it a flex option. And I think I saw the story you're talking about. There was a picture of the Salesforce tower. Which the new Salesforce tower, which I don't think anybody's ever been in yet. I th they, it just, they basically just finished it, and then COVID hit. Yeah. I, I don't know like if I would really trust Salesforce to predict the future, given that they built that giant office building <laughs> you know, right before nobody wants to be in an office anymore. But they did have a picture of what they envisioned the, the layouts to look like, where instead of having like lines of cubicles, they've got – it almost looked like a, a cafe, right? With cafe-style seating, places for people to gather when they are meeting, which – that's the hybrid model, right? You you do your actual work at home and then you come into the office for your pointless meetings. Yeah. Right. And now Salesforce is already saying they plan to reduce their footprint. Mm -hmm. Even in this article, they they talk about how they, they plan on trying to do it before others do it because they're afraid landlords are gonna not let people get out of leases, they're gonna crack down on this. So if you can get out of your lease sooner than others, if you're especially if you're in a shared building, mm -hmm. you want you want to get out first before the others try to get out. And so, and then this makes sense, right? If, if you, if you only need one third of the real estate you had for office spaces before, why would you pay for empty buildings? Nobody's in. Well, what else? I got, I got a little follow up to close things out. We, did we get any reviews, voicemails, anything like that? No voicemails or anything. I did get a, there was an article in the journal of accountancy about how to succeed when you're doing virtual accounting. 
you guys want to <laughs> talk about well, that. I saw that, but um, I mean, it, it seemed like, was there, were there any takeaways for you that you didn't know um, in that, in that article? I, that, that's a good point, right? I, I feel like it touches on all the things we catch, we've talked about for a year, right? You need to have good use of technology, microphone, internet, video, right? You need password management, VPN usage. You need to have policies for your employees, um, it, you know, controlling your routine, being candid, right? Being 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 human to the people you're talking to on the other side, uh, keeping your camera on, which is a lot of people don't still don't do. It still shocks me, actually. And maybe, maybe this is worth reiterating that people don't have good audio vi- video on their computers at home. And like to me, it's the same thing as dressing up for work. If, if you don't have clear audio and you don't have good video and a decent backdrop, it doesn't look good to your coworkers or your boss or anything like that. It kind of, it's kind of shocking. Like, and it doesn't take that big an investment to make it look nice. We talked about this with, with the podcast. I mean, for $150, you can have really good quality. And so it's not much. And, and, and really every Every firm owner should just send, go and buy a decent microphone and mail one to each of your employees that are working from home. Everybody's brain will appreciate it, having that better quality. It does make a huge difference. And we all use a Yeti microphone, which is, on a, I don't know, on Amazon here, you can get it for like 120 bucks or something. It's super cheap. And you can just sit it on your desk and it picks up the audio real well. You can mount it on a boom arm. And yeah, people will be really impressed how it looks. So, well... Um, a few few follow-up items before we go. Luckin Coffee, our favorite coffee company in China that uh, got in trouble for making up a bunch of revenue. EY, right? Were they with EY? <laughs> they were, were they with EY. 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 Yeah, yeah. So, uh, EY failed to catch this fraud. Um, they weren't asking the right questions. They weren't. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a wrap. Boom. End episode. Uh, yeah, they filed for <laughs> Chapter 15 bankruptcy in New York less than a year after they said that more than a quarter's worth of business may have been faked. Uh, I don't think anybody was surprised by this. And the other update I have is about Wirecard, our other favorite EY audit failure story. The the German watchdog that was supposed to be overseeing Wirecard, uh, the head of that agency, is, uh, and the agency is called Boffin, Felix Hufeld, the president there, he has been fired finally, for failing to handle that Wirecard scandal properly. And you may recall that uh, Germany did worse than, than China in that when people were saying there was fraud at Wirecard, they actually went after the journalists who were trying to expose it and, yeah. and, and protected yeah. Wirecard. It was like bad. Can you imagine if that happened here? So it was terrible, but I just want to jump in with a (laughs) a little pitch. So um, I don't know if you guys know Solon Angel from uh, one of the founders of MindBridge or the founder of MindBridge. Mm -hmm. And um, he and I, and actually Jody Paydar and Anders Lou Lindbergh and I all have an accounting and finance tech club on Clubhouse. And um, Solon is actually getting the journalist that broke the wire card fraud story will be on one of our future um, club chats. So. Uh, I'll let you guys know. Maybe I can hop on the show again or you can uh, yeah. join the club or join the room when we've got that all lined up. We're just working on scheduling now, but that's going to be a really fascinating discussion. So so for people who aren't familiar, Clubhouse is this new on-demand audio chat room app where you, you have to get an invite to join right now, but they're pretty plentiful. You can find one iOS only. Everybody has them. And the more that you give out, the more you get, gotcha. but it is only iPhone. So David might have to invest in another Apple product. So, so the concept of this, it, it's it's 
it's like a chat room, but it's audio. Exactly. So Rachel says something, and then I raise my hand, and then you let me say something. Is that the concept of this? I've yet to use it. Yeah. So there is it. There is a bit depending on how how many people you have in your event or in your room. It can get quite tricky to moderate because of the way that it separates out kind of all the guests, and then you can invite somebody to be a speaker, and then but anybody in the room can raise their hand and ask a question without you know becoming a quote unquote speaker. Um, but it does require a bit of moderating skills to do it, especially because it's all on your iPhone app. So it's not like you can have a couple screens open and doing that. Um, None of it is recorded. It is all audio. Um, And one of the things actually Twilight Verhelst had a women in accounting room chat just open uh, yesterday afternoon. And honestly, it was just so good to hear some of these people's voices that I hadn't heard in, you know, a year or longer. You also learn really quickly as a moderator, like we've had this accounting and finance tech club now going for probably a couple of months. We've got 1900 followers so far, but you also know when somebody puts their hand up, if you should allow them to speak, you get to know <laughs> your, your regulars pretty quickly, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty tricky, but you know, you can kind of jump in any, any room or any chat and kind of hear what's going on. And there's some pretty fascinating conversations happening. I'm kind of mixed reviews myself. Some people are loving it. Some people are hating it. I'm kind of in the middle, but we'll see how it goes. It's definitely revolutionary and like it's worth trying. And like you said, Rachel, the best part is connecting with people in your network that you haven't seen or heard from in a long time. And it's so much more rewarding to do that with audio my only complaint about Clubhouse right now is the massive FOMO I feel all day long because rooms are spinning up and I'm getting invited to, you know, <laughs> go to these rooms and I'm like, oh, I'm in a meeting, I can't. And then when I actually get some time, it's not happening, right? Because it's, it's very, it's all live. So, yes. Although you can schedule things, right? And that's what you're talking about. Yeah, you can schedule things ahead of time, but the chats are live um, and are not recorded. So it's supposed to be this like safe space for people to to get in and talk. But yeah, I, there, I mean, there are some clubs that have like hundreds of, of speakers and have events going on constantly. Um, yeah, just, just pay attention to the ones that you follow and so it feels like a souped up version of like with WhatsApp, because if I'm on WhatsApp, I can just hold down and record something. And then you can hold down and record and reply back, except for this has a little bit of a moderation in there. So I'm probably aging myself, but it kind of feels like the old late 80s party lines. Oh, yeah. A little bit where you call yeah. in. And, Got it. I remember you, that. Yeah. But <laughs> but you can see who's on the app and you can see their profiles and you can connect with them and stuff like that. And then you can jump in on these calls. So I, I quickly imagine Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, like all these other platforms just putting, building this in. Because it's just Getting like everybody audio, has stories. You know, everybody has stories. Like, yeah. It's just going to be this like... So, so Facebook... It's not enough of a, of, a, of a product here. It feels like it feels like it's just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's another way to communicate. So what's funny is Facebook has something like this called Rooms. Have you guys seen this? But nobody... I have seen it, yeah. You can create a room in a group, but nobody really uses it. So I actually think that Clubhouse will um, help Facebook Rooms grow. Because I feel like with Facebook Rooms, it's like, why? I'm already in a group with these people. Why do I need a room with them? But I feel like Clubhouse has really kind of cemented the concept of clubs and rooms. And so now, you know, as more people get into what these are all about, then then you may find more people using the Facebook rooms. And, and the thing that's different about Clubhouse 
that kind of shocked me is that there is no chat option at all in terms of text. No. So if you want to say something, you have to turn on your microphone and talk, which yes. I feel like that's that's good for people because it's too easy to hide behind a keyboard. And and so in a way, Clubhouse can be good because when you say something, you really it feels different to say something than to write something. Yes, it does. And I think this was the element that they were going for. Um as an app, um, and specifically kind of one in the accounting tech world like we are, it is not specific, not very feature rich. <laughs> um, because every once in a while, if you can't get a word in, like if you can't, uh, there's just too many people and you just want to kind of pop your thought in, there's just no way to do that. Um, or if you want to try to respond to somebody, but again, the room is really busy and you can't, yeah, so. All right, I, I got a business model for us because there's no text, which means you can't use emojis and you probably can't use images or memes. Right. So we Nothing, can just create no. a whole bunch of audio emojis and audio <laughs> memes. And then just pr- you, instead of you actually recording your voice to say something, you know, you'll just be like, it's a party and you'll have some some somebody who recorded that already. Just get one of those soundboard well, apps think- and, you know, play that annoying. <laughs> yeah. Those fart machines yeah. from when, like in the 80s. Right? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Well, I think what would be interesting, and I think Hector Garcia actually had a chat about this, and and there were several of us in on this little chat, is what does this mean for podcasts, for webinars, for how you approach, you know, discussing? So some were talking about it completely replacing uh, webinars. I think in my case, what I how I envision it is that it's not going to replace a webinar because in some cases it really is valuable to see screens, to, you know, to have that kind of presentation experience. But what I see this is like the coffee chat afterwards. You know, when you go to a great conference and you sit in the sessions and then you go to the bar afterwards, like this is the bar. Yep. So, and have all those great chats with cool people. The first one I joined, that's what it felt like. I thought I was like at a conference at the, you know, get to know you event the first night. That's what it felt like. And it was so cool. I was like, oh, hey, uh, good to see you, Patty. You know, and I'll give this a ride this week. I will uh, try to jump into a clubhouse this week and, and see let what me this know is if like. you need an invite. I've got. Oh, I already I invited. Have an invite. I do. I do have an invite. Uh, yeah. Um, so, Rachel, I, this is a good time for you to tell people how they can follow you, so then they can find out about this. Uh, room that you, this club that you have on Clubhouse. Sure. Newfangled yeah. I'm on LinkedIn, just like every other accounting professional. I think it's in our like DNA or something. Uh, so LinkedIn, of course, uh, Rachel Fish or on Twitter at Fishbooks. How about you, David? I'm just at David Leary. If you're going to reach out on LinkedIn, please say you're not a bot. So I know you're not some spammer person, which I accept their friendships too. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm a little more selective. And you can reach me on Twitter at Blake T. Oliver. Please write us a review. If you want to let us know what you think of the show, tell us something. That's the best way to do it. Uh, David, where can people go write a review? Uh Two places. If you're in the Apple podcast world, you can just, in your Apple podcast app, write a review there. If you are not in the Apple podcast world, you can go to podchaser.com, search for the Cloud Accounting Podcast, go to reviews, and you can write a review there. And that shows up in other podcast players outside of the Apple ecosystem. And if you want to leave us an audio message, you can call our voicemail number. That is 202-695-1040. 202-695-1040. You may have heard some of the messages that we've gotten on this show. That could be you. You get about two minutes to record. We'll take a listen. We will almost certainly play it on the air because we love getting those messages and hearing your thoughts. Uh, so please do that. 
All right. Well, my son is coming in and he wants to play. So it's time for me to go. End of show. (laughs) Hey, Rachel, thanks for joining us. Great to chat with you. Thanks for having me. Talk to you later. Time for the classifieds. Looking to radically increase productivity as a QuickBooks Pro Advisor? Instead of juggling a tech stack with your practice, you can now track and manage your workflow, communicate with clients, and manage files, all in one single powerful yet amazingly simple platform, ClientHub. When you leverage ClientHub's all-in-one platform that goes across your team and your clients, magic happens. Ready to start feeling that in your firm? Start your free trial at clienthub.app today. Use promo code CAP25 to receive 25% off your first three months. How does your firm manage tech discovery? Hundreds of tools are launching around the globe every week and identifying the right tech to help run your firm and advise your clients is growing more and more complex. Launch for Accountants reviews hundreds of new tech launches each week in the accounting, fintech, and B2B space. They handpick their favorites for accountants and send them directly to your inbox every Sunday. In 2020, Launch for Accountants reviewed over 8,000 product launches. To get the six best launches of the week in your inbox each Sunday, sign up at launchfa.com. That's launchfa.com. We have to tell you about a new app on the QuickBooks App Store called Uncat. It has nothing to do with cats. It has everything to do with fixing uncategorized expenses. If you're still exporting spreadsheets of uncategorized expenses from QBO to send to your clients, you need to stop doing that. Uncat notifies your clients about uncategorized expenses and lets them add descriptions and receipts online. You can then assign expenses to the right accounts and everything syncs with QBO so you don't have to copy and paste anything. Uncat is fast and easy for you and your clients so everybody's happier. So ditch the spreadsheets and manual data entry and head over to uncat.com. As a Cloud Accounting Podcast listener, your first client is free. That's www.uncat.com. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.